Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First and Ten Podcast, brought to you by Blogging the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina and Aiden Davis to get here and talk about all things Dallas Cowboys. The preseason's over, third preseason game in the books. A lot of fun. I mean, this was about as fun as a preseason game could be, you know, as far as storylines go, as actual play on the field. So we're going to be able to kind of rehash it and go through all that. But before I do that, Aiden, how you doing tonight, my friend? I'm good. We now have what two weeks before I get less than two weeks before the first kickoff, and whew, it's going to be a long two weeks. I've yeah. already started. I don't know if I know you're on TikTok. I I know the hype videos, like the NFL hype videos, are just on my page constantly, and I will watch every single one unashamedly. <laughs> Absolutely. Like you said, it's going to be a long two weeks. It's going to be a long couple of days for some guys who are, you know, on that roster bubble and might get cut. When you're listening to this, it'll be Monday morning um, with the roster cuts officially coming at 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. So there's a lot of guys who's, you know, I w- it's it's a tough thing to say, but careers maybe be done or time in Dallas is over. You know, there's a lot of tough decisions. This is a loaded roster that they're, you know, this front office, I don't envy their position right now. They're going to have to make a lot of tough decisions. And, you know, for this episode, because it's an important end of preseason episode, Heading into week one, we got the big guns with us. So later on in the show, we'll have Michael Gelkin from Dallas Morning News join us. And he's going to break down. We got some questions for him, you know, preseason wise, roster wise. We're going to look at it and try to dissect from a guy who's on the inside, on the, you know, boots on the ground. So um, we might as well not waste any more time on this because we got a lot of good conversation to talk about. So Aiden Davis, Will Greer, Cowboys preseason game three. Give me a wide scope umbrella view of what you thought of game three and, you know, what'd you take from it? Will Greer's playing? I could have sworn we had Patrick Mahomes out there. <laughs> At least that's the way it looked like. I mean, dude. Who's calling plays? Tom the- Landry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, same there. Like, it was to me. So I was actually at a rodeo last night doing what Texans do on a typical Saturday night, I guess. So I was at a rodeo. So I had to watch the first half on my phone. And I was like, you know, it's a third preseason game. I'll like check in occasionally. I'll I'll rewatch the game tomorrow. But I was just sitting there. I was like, I, I can't stop watching Will Greer in this offense. And Dak Prescott calling plays. It was you alluded to it at the beginning of the show. It was so fun to watch. And I will we'll get into this later. I do think Will Greer's time in Dallas has likely come to an end, unfortunately. But he's positioned himself well to get hopefully get re-signed to a team. I don't know. Maybe the Cowboys keep around after like that was such. Yeah. I put that up against any performance we've seen in the preseason so far. Like that was, it was a masterclass of a performance. So huge shout out to Wilger and Dak Prescott calling plays. I just don't, I don't know what to take from that, but it was <laughs> fun. Yeah. And uh, you know, I know you're at a hoedown, so you probably didn't hear it, but uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, Wilger's time, like officially everyone understands and knows it's done. Like they they let okay. him play that game, um, with the understanding that this was his audition for thirty one other teams. They actually told him the night before, 
Like you won't be ah, back, okay. but we're gonna give it the shot. And that's part of the reason why Dak Prescott was had he took he took ownership of it. He wanted to have his guy look good and and we can talk about it further. Maybe we can ask Michael Gelkin about it because he was there, but the demeanor for Dak Prescott post game was a little more dreary. And I think people uh, uh, you know, thought that was about Trey Lance or maybe that position. And I think it's very clear and obvious to me that it was more about, he felt bad for his guy, Will Greer. So um, that is the unfortunate side of it. The unfortunate, the, the fortunate side of it is Will Greer took his opportunity and balled. My man played the best game I think he's ever played. Um, you know, and so he went out there with it all on the line. And I guarantee he's going to be somewhere, right? It's obviously probably not going to be in Dallas, um, but 31 other teams. He just put the best quarterback play on, on preseason, like all year. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was by yeah. far four touchdowns, two rushing, two throwing. Um, I mean, he was in his bag. Dak Prescott and play Colin was in his bag, which is a whole nother conversation of Dak just gets this offense. He understands how to put people in position. And I think this was twofold the good thing for this team like this is the type of stuff you would love to see from a preseason game three so um fun fun game um and I, you know for me i i kind of wrote a couple articles over at blog of the boys one of them was hyping up rico dowdle but the what spurred me to think about that was the fact that my man like didn't play like at all i think i saw him on the field nope. for like a gunner snap on punt return or something he was just like a protector which is i was very surprised to see but he didn't take a single rush snap and then he didn't touch the ball one time and He's about his slam dunk run back, running back to at this point as he could possibly be in my mind. Yeah, like this is the first time I'm hearing that he suited up because yeah, I didn't have the audio and I wasn't it was so, really paying. It was so random. Like I just look and they were, I, I don't know if they, I think it was like a third quarter or something punt. And I'm like, oh, 23 is out there. I know they ain't got more than one of that. But no, that was it. Like it was Hunter Lepke and it was Malik Davis and it was their show. I didn't, Deuce Vaughn didn't even get a touch, so. So is now the time we should talk about Hunter Lepke? I think that's a good good segue to talk about Hunter Lepke. I think because, that's a, a smooth transition there. Because <laughs> you're right. Dowdle, Dowdle's locked in. Deuce Vaughn is locked in, which is an amazing story that Deuce Vaughn didn't even have to play in the third preseason game. He's on the roster. We obviously know Pollard's there. So Lepke, is, does he have a roster? Because he's now a guy who is on the bubble. I think I've seen, I've definitely seen some rosters where Lepke's left off. I've seen more, more rosters where he's on it now. But dude, bald, and more importantly, he can catch. That that was an aspect yeah. of his game that I didn't realize. I don't think I really fully understood, given the fact that like when you have that fullback tag, I don't really associate you with being a pass catcher. He was involved in the passing game. And that's like side. He obviously had the touchdown, but that sideline catch where Greer underthrew him, and like that was an amazing catch by Lefty. Yeah. Very underrated, and I think like that alone might have just secured him a roster spot because I mean Pollard, Deuce Vaughn, like they can all catch, but when you have a fullback who can also add in the passing game, that's huge. Yeah, I think the Cowboys are kicking themselves a little bit because they didn't prioritize seeing this earlier. So now they probably have a pretty good of idea of what they were going to have for a roster going into last night's game. And much like the Will Greer situations, like give him an opportunity for other places and maybe, you know, let's see what we can get from these other guys in a smaller situation. Now, Hunter Lepke goes out there and, and he impresses, right? He runs hard, runs physical, is able to pick up pass, you know, protection you know, in the backfield. And like you said, he did a lot of things that you're like, man, I wish they would have given him a couple more opportunities first for the first two preseason games. And but I did come out of the game saying to myself, like, if he didn't earn a spot here, he made the conversation a little bit more tough, you know. Yeah. And so at this time, I don't know. I don't know what the numbers are going to be at running back. I don't. Is Malik Davis gone now? Is that like a foregone conclusion that Malik is not a part of this group? 
I mean, did he impress you? Like, he, no. a he got he got out touched by Lepi last night, which is one sign that he's not going to make the roster. And b like, I just didn't see anything from Malik Davis last night. Those like, but you're you're playing against third stringers here. You should be able right. to take one like rip off a big play. And we saw none of that from Malik Davis. So yeah. I think his time's over. And it's so Malik Davis. You like, I I kind of feel the same way about that. Like, I, you know how I feel about Rico Dotto. Deuce Vaughn's in there. Uh, TP is who he is. Tony Paul is him. So you realistically look at this and you're like, the question is one, do they keep four running backs? And if they keep four running backs, is Lepke in there because of what he can do is like that H back hybrid tight end. Does that hurt Sean McEwen? Does that hurt one of the tight end, other tight ends? Like there's a special teams element to it. So I think he showed a, a wide array of things last night that I don't know if they like shown, like they may have seen it in practice and, but they definitely didn't let us see it in a preseason game until last night. So, uh, I don't know if it's too little too late, but like I said, I'll reiterate it. This conversation just got a lot tougher than it was probably an hour before the game. So do you think they keep Lepke just so he can be the short yards back? Because he did. We had a couple third and ones slash fourth and ones where like, listen, I did realize last night, like Zeke for all the criticism he got is like, he was still an amazing short yards back and there was yeah. never a chance that he was going to get stuffed. Lep, we're going to see this over the season where if they like put in Lepke, they put it like they let Pollard try. Like they're going to get stuffed more than Zeke did in those situations. And it's going to be a sting a little bit. Still not worth 16 million. But like, do, do you think Lepke makes a team like because Dowdle's not like Dowdle's not huge? Deuce Vaughn, obviously, no. Tony Pollard is shifty, but he's not like, do you bring like keep Lepke simply because like third and one, fourth and one, you're the guy? I think that's like a tenth of it, right? Like I think with, with a guy like that, it's what can he do on special teams? Does he bring, you know, what else does he bring? Because you don't want a guy who's just like every time he's in, you know, they're going to just give him a dive. You know, you want a guy who who can kind of flex out a guy who's able to do different things. And basically, I've said this before and I sound like a broken record, but it's to me, it was always him versus Sean McCune. Like, does he do the special teams, the gritty stuff, the fullback, the tight end, the H-back stuff better than Sean's been doing it? Because Sean's lined up at fullback, even lined up at fullback last night. So, you know, and then you look at the financials where Sean's in his fourth year. He's obviously making more money than an undrafted rookie is. Is that, you know, are they splitting hairs there with the price? Um, So that's really where the competition has always been for me. I never looked at Lepke as like a true running back. Look at the way they handled it last year. Like, it was two guys that got the rock. It was Zeke and it was Tony Pollard. If they kind of follow the same remedy, it's going to be Pollard and it's going to be Rico this year. So they don't, there isn't many touches for a third running back. Deuce Vaughn's going to factor into that. So then you're looking at like, what does Hunter Lepke see? A, a touch or two a game, maybe? So like his role is going to be that physicality. It's that extra blocker. It's that special teams guy. And that's where you kind of get into the roster construction of, is he just is a fourth running back better than a fourth tight end or, you know what I mean? So that's where I don't envy the situation because, you know, Hunter Lepke, I could, you could probably slide him through on practice squad. We, they literally did that with Sean McEwen last year. So, I mean, before not to get into that Charlie from always sunny thing where I'm doing like the crazy <laughs> look and stuff, without getting too far into that, you can kind of look and, and pro and con everything on this roster right now. And I mean, you mentioned that it was, I, I agree with you. I don't see a world where they keep four tight ends and four running backs, especially if, yeah, it, it comes down to a 50-50 Lepke. I will say, Sean McEwen, it doesn't show up on the box score. He did have a good night last night. And what, like, he's also, like you mentioned, fighting for a roster spot. It's like, 
I have seen some predictions where McEwen makes it and Hendershot doesn't. I don't think that world exists, and I think we'd we'd be really surprised if that happened. Yeah. I guess so. I, I guess it's technically there's a world that exists where McEwen, but if they do, like in in his last rehearsal, McEwen looked good. I just think Lepke, like he really set the world on fire last night. Yeah, it's it that's like again, it, it's gonna be a really tough spot. It's gonna try to figure out how they configure this. Do you know, do they go six wide receivers? Do they go four running backs? Do they go four tight ends? Do they go long everywhere and go shorter at you know safety or or linebacker because they have safeties? It's you know, in my initial look at it, I believe I had 24 offensive players, 26 defensive players, and three specialists. And the way I kind of configured it was I had CJ Goodwin off, not because he's not good at his job, but because there are other valuable positions. And if Kelvin Joseph can be 80% of CJ Goodwin, the fact that he's able to play, um, you know, cornerback reps where CJ Goodwin does literally one thing and only one thing, I think there's value. This team is too deep to have just like a designated Matthew Slater type of special teams guy. So that's the type of hairs they're splitting with putting this roster together where CJ Goodwin's going to go and be a special teams ace anywhere else. But here you might have to, you know, figure a different configuration and, and, and suffer somewhere else just to make the defense deeper. And if we're talking about configurations like that, one common thing that I've been seeing, and I think it a world exists where it does happen, is them running with five receivers because of the fact that you have that solidified five. Like we know the five names that are locked in. It's yes. Lamb, Cooks, Tol- Tolbert, um Lamb, Cooks, Gallup, duh. I yeah, it's yeah. Perpin. I for some reason blank on Gallup's name. <laughs> and then like <laughs> unfortunately, a week after I said it, I, my Dennis Houston love it, it died in the water. Dennis Houston is not making this team. But like after that, it's like Drummond, Jalen Bro, like because it's 50 50 like that, I do see a world that it's like, okay, we'll just, we have our locked in five and we're set there. We'll carry a couple on the practice squad. Yeah, it's. That's the part, right? So I, I've always looked at them having six wide receivers, and I know because of the Gallup situation, they actually carried seven briefly so they could get Gallup over to IR. But they kept six, and I can see them keeping six. And they drafted Jalen Brooks, and he was a camp darling all off season, and he hasn't like been a rock star, but he's been solid. He's he's made the most of his opportunities. And uh, back to that special team stuff, he's a gritty dude as a gunner. And he and yep. he fights and he's somebody that they appreciate in that role. And if you can go out there and play some receiver, I think they like that. So um I think that's the difference between like a Simi Fahoko where you know Simi's got people assume he's got all the ability in the world, but it never like translated. Jalen Brooks is coming here and and had a lot more bright spots than the negative spots. And, you know, it, it, how they look at it, right? I know some people have five in there, but I, I just don't see them, you know, I, it's not like a seventh round pick. Those get cut all the time. But I think that he's had enough winnable moments this camp that they're going to say, okay, let's keep the sixth guy here. We'll go short somewhere else and they can justify it. So are you pretty confident in six wide receivers and that six wide receiver being Jalen Brooks? That's my understanding. And, you know, every year there's somebody that surprises me, but I I would actually be surprised if he isn't that guy, because I think the five are clear and he's emerged of the group of the others. And so I think he would be the sixth, and I think they would keep him. Is there, give me your percent chance that Semi Fajoko is the sixth wide receiver. Zero. (laughs) <laughs> no, honestly, I guess no, we'll, I'll, we'll put it 10. at one. Yeah, really, ten? Not yet. Ten is like me being a nice guy. Like, okay. like ten <laughs> percent, yes, ninety percent, no. If that sounds more aggressive, like I just don't. Yeah, I just don't see a world. I mean, 
I, I actually wonder, I know he has talent and I know people like him and they're intrigued by him. I wonder if he's done such little over his three years here that he could be a practice squad guy. Like, I don't know if he'll get picked up on someone's 53 because what has he done to earn it? If you, so let's say they go six, how, what receivers are you carrying on the practice squad? Because you got to think that the potential of Jose Moreno Cropper is enough to keep him on the practice squad, even if yeah. he hasn't shown much. I, Drummond, is he a practice squad? Drummond's guy? interesting. Moreno Cropper's interesting. Um, what was his name? Billy Johnson, uh, last night, number 80. He played Tyra, well. Tyra yeah. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was hitting the corner routes from Will Greer all day. Like he hit it like three or four times for like 15, 20 yards. I think so he finished with like, yeah, he finished with 90 yards. Yeah. Five he was, he was all yards. over the place. Yeah. And, and he, and he was another one of those guys where it's, it's too little, too late. But, and it might have been the competition where, He's he's like better than the threes, but he's like a mid level two. Like I don't know, but yeah. he he's got some intrigue. But I I like I said I how you mess around with the bottom. I don't think we're gonna have to worry about any of those guys ending up on somebody else's fifty three. The problem is gonna be who do they want to keep on the practice squad and who are they gonna get poached by because that's really what it's gonna end up coming to. So one one question I did have for you because I know. Like offensive line to me is the one like that's when the final 53 comes out. I'm the first place I'm going to look is offensive line because I think there's the biggest question marks there. And like in terms of prediction, the biggest variability. Are you putting any stock in how the offensive because to me, the offensive line had a they had a solid game last night. That was part of the reason for the offensive success. Are you like, is it just okay? it's against threes or do you think like this is a lot of. Like we do have a lot of young offensive linemen. Are they coming into their own, or is it threes? Uh, yeah, it might be a little bit, of, a little bit of both, right? Like you could see development. You could see guys get better, and in the third game action, there's, you know, they're better about passing off, you know, stunts, and they're better about, you know, their technique. So that's stuff to be encouraged by. But at the same time, like the competition might play a little factor into it. But a guy like Awesome Richards and I, you know, TJ Bass, an undrafted guy, I think is a 53 player. Um, so I still think Farniak has a world in here. Matt Let's Go has a world in here. But I also wouldn't be surprised if um if they go and outsource a little bit, right? Like th there isn't yeah. enough confidence that I'm like, these guys have to stick around. So it, you know, 31 other teams are going to be cutting guys left and right over the next 48 hours. So if they can, um, find something that's even 2% better than what they got. I think they pulled the trigger on it. Is Jason Peters. He, I know he wants to play football. Did, yeah. did that, was there news that that died or are I, we just not? I, I heard it was that, a one year rental. I heard. Yeah. He obviously wants to play. I don't know if there's any real connection here. I think a lot of people were concerned that he couldn't finish a game last year physically. And, Fair. and part of it, and listen, I don't know shit. Jason Peters, go get your money. I think he is open to the, to the backup role because he knows he can sit on the bench and get paid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I'll be. And at that point, it's probably easier to be a player than a coach. So I think that ship has sailed. I don't think they need to go down that route. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It, they they need somebody that can step in and help. And I don't know if he's that guy anymore. Yeah, I think the only real resolution I think we know is that um, the Chuma Doga, I don't see a world where he's making this roster, which is unfortunate because that was the yeah, one offensive line signing we had, and I was hoping that he would be a decent role player. Like, do you see a world where Chuma makes it on Tuesday? I don't know. It depends on how injured he is because that's how like finicky the the offensive line depth is. Like, if he's like, I'm gonna be ready week one, or I'm gonna be ready week two or three. Like, I could see a world where they keep him around. Um, yeah, it doesn't really inspire too much confidence right now, but 
that's what I mean. Josh Ball's hurt, so Josh Ball has a chance to probably go on the IR to start the season or however that's going to shake out. Matt Lesko had a you know his shoulder pop out the other one after getting the other one repaired, so he's a little banged up. Awesome Richards is showing some positive things, but there isn't much behind what we know of the five that instills too 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 much confidence right now. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're out there looking for maybe some linebacker help and maybe some offensive line help as well. Who's our best backup offensive lineman? Our best? Quite possibly the hardest question in the world. <laughs> this is not a good thing overall, but I heard a lot of people say, and I agree, it might be TJ Bass. Undrafted I, guy. I heard John Owning said that he's the only Cowboys player not to allow pressure. Yes. But now, granted, given the position he's playing, it's easier for him. Yeah, not to but allow. still, you got to yeah. give credit where it's due, right? Because, no, no, totally. Yeah. You know, like I think, you like you said, you take everything with a grain of salt, playing twos, playing threes, whatever. The expectation's extremely low. But for this guy to end up in the two deep as an undrafted guy, you like it. I mean, same similar story as Terrence Steele, right? You remember when Terrence Steele started 2020 yep. against the Rams and everybody was like, this kind of came out of left field a little bit and, and here we are. But Terrence Steele, the rest is history. So um, it's not great when you talk about undrafted guys being your number one. But if he's a stud, he's a stud. And I, I seem Richard showed promise. He wouldn't be my MVP of the, like the preseason, but he showed enough promise for me to be cautiously hopeful is the terminology I use first Asim Richards. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And uh, so, yeah, like we just had a good little wrap up there, kind of talk about the game as a whole. And we're going to turn the page here and have Michael Gelkin join us here in a second. And we're going to kind of dive in, like I said earlier, about some of the training camp or excuse me, the, the cut down day stuff, the, the preseason, just get in the in and the ins and outs from him on his side of things, how he's viewing it. Cause I mean, he's one of the most tapped in guys in our fan base here. So um, we're, we're going to take a quick little look here. We're going to get Michael Gelkin on the other line and we'll answer any questions that we may have. So we'll take care of that in a second. Support for this podcast comes from smart water. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smart water outline has everything you need to stay hydrated. No matter where your day takes you, whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, smart water alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, like I said, we got a special guest here, Dallas Morning News. Uh, Michael Gelkin here. The boots on the ground for us in Dallas. Um, you know, it's cut down day looms on Tuesday. When you're listening to this, it'll be Monday morning. So first off, Michael, thank you for joining us. We appreciate you being here. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thanks you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So let's get it right into it. Um, you know, there were some I don't know if you made headlines or at least it raised some eyebrows. I know it raised my eyebrow. You you mentioned that uh, you know, you talked about Jabril Cox and guys like Kelvin Joseph may not be on your initial 53, or at least that kind of may have been part of the conversation. Um, can you kind of allude to that and maybe what you're thinking or what you're hearing there in Dallas? Yeah. Um, so you guys follow my reporting. Uh, I, I'm sure everybody does know that I put stuff out there lightly. Um, and so 
for me to say that Jabril Cox and Kelvin Joseph likely won't be on the 53-man roster. It comes from speaking not only to people within the Cowboys organization, but also people elsewhere in the league. If you're going to make a, a move to potentially move on from players, it's not uncommon for players to be shot around the league. And so I think it's just generally known in the NFL that the Cowboys are prepared to move on from Kelvin Joseph and Jabril Cox. Now, there's always things that can change. Uh, you know, what might be decided one day, things can evolve, as needs evolve. Uh, but you look at the linebacker room, I mean, Jabril Cox is, he's never been this, like, physical guy. I look at who he was brought to Dallas to be. Uh, he's kind of a run-and-hit, coverage type, sideline-to-sideline uh, type of player. But I think the Cowboys, you know, look at what they want from that final linebacker spot. They, they probably want more physicality, someone more in line with the Devin Harper. Um, you know, they could also, you know, look outside the building, um, but maybe practice squad, you know, just fortify that group with that type of profile. Um, and then with Kelvin Joseph, he's done a lot of really, really good things in Dallas, uh, especially team-wise. Uh, his combination of just play strength and speed, um, he opposite CJ Goodwin. I mean, that's as, as competent of a duo as you'll find in coverage uh, with their corners and punt return, uh, you know, they free up John Fossil to buy like a, a big single level opposing gunners, whereas others will double team uh, teams gunners, uh, you know, with, with Joseph and with when they just single them up and it allows more opportunity to get after the punter and pressure. Um, so there's a lot of good there, like, you know, the numbers, what they are. Kelvin jo Joseph has been focusing at a nickel cornerback and done some good things, but there's just a lot of guys there, including safeties from Obama. So um, I think you see the Cowboys go six safeties on the three-man roster with Marquise Bell being probably accounting for that linebacker number, uh, which, uh, you know, depending on if you want to call Mike versus a linebacker, that puts you at four or five. Um, that that to me is is what the reality is. Um, you know, pending. You know, I'm not in the meetings, but that's my understanding. It's it's a, it's a good understanding of, of where the, the Cowboys have been on this. You mentioned the term "shop around." So, if this situation progresses as you expect it to, where these two aren't on the team next year or this year, do you expect it to be like? Are the Cowboys going to look to get value out of these two, or is it is it likely more a roster cut? I think if all if you're going to move on from a player and you can get something for him, it's it's a lot better than not. And so it's it's there's there's no harm in, in taking a look at your potential cuts, uh, guys who you you know if you've got some sort of roster situation. Cowboys did on a trade deadline last year. Um, they tried to move uh, an interior defensive lineman, or I can say interior. Uh, they tried to move a defensive lineman and they couldn't, and then they end up you know waving Tristan Hill. Um, and so if you can get something for Tristan Hill or in this instance, like a Cox or a Joseph, it's better than just cutting a guy out. And so uh, a lot of teams are having a lot of discussions about guys who are early in that perimeter, but outside boundary of their 53-man roster equation and see if there's any interest. Because if you're a team and you love Kelvin Joseph or you love Jabril Cox and you, you know, have a waiver priority in your 20s or something along those lines, you know, maybe if you really are going to get a chance at this guy, you are going to have to make that you know, investment with a, a late round pick or a swap, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, obviously the Cowboys could use an interior offensive lineman, 
someone in guard center versus facility, uh, center spots behind Tyler Biotic is really intriguing. Um, and then, you know, maybe they want another running back. Maybe you know, they do, there's different things that they could go if they want like, more physical running back. So we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, um, but it's, it's, it's hard to make a trade this time of year, but it can be done. So there's no harm in asking. Yeah, I wanted to kind of circle back to the Kelvin Joseph thing here, and it kind of brings up to another point that you had alluded to today on your Twitter. Um, You were talking about the fact that Jordan Lewis may start on the 53-man roster, and I wonder if the Kelvin Joseph and Jordan Lewis, if there's any connection there, right? They both kind of play the inside nickel corner. I know if you want to touch on allude to the Jordan Lewis, maybe something you're hearing about his progression through his health and, and that being a reality, and if there may be some type of connection between the two. Yeah, there is. There's, there's a number. There's a number of games to this, and you can only keep so many corners, so many nickels. And Jerron, well, Jerron Bland played nickel for the first time in his life last year, and he did a really good job with it. He's seen Fong do it. Uh, you know, Jordan Lewis has done it. Although there's obvious question marks about you know where he has come out as a major right foot injury, uh, he himself has to kind of go through that process of practicing and to really know where he is. Um, but yeah, there's just a lot of guys who can play that position for the Cowboys. And so uh, you have to make a determination. All right, well, is what Kelvin Joseph gives us on special teams, is that enough for us? We have a CJ Goodman who was already cornerback specializing on special teams. Now, last year, when the Cowboys went into the season and having Kelvin Joseph as, you know, this, you know, special teams, uh, you know, stud that he, you know, overall became too many penalties and overall, uh, he, you know, he, he definitely did a lot in that area. Um, you know, I don't think that was necessarily the goal. It's just for Kelvin Joseph to be a special teams guy. I mean, your, your hope is that your second round pick is going to develop into much more than that offensively. And as it stands right now, Cowboys are looking at their 53 minute roster and they feel like, you know what, that's all we really based on where Joseph is at the corner relative to others on this team. If we can only confidently project him to be a uh, special teams guy for us, that just might not be a luxury that we have. And I think that's what the Cowboys are. So shifting to the offensive side of the ball, one area where we're, there's a little bit like similar question marks in terms of how many roster spots the Cowboys are going to carry and who that last, the last few names would be is the wide receiver position. Do you have a sense as to how many wide receivers you think the Cowboys are going to walk into the season with? And if it is like a six, if that number is six, who do you slot in as the wide receiver six? Yeah, to me, I think it's pretty pretty well defined. Um, unless you know the preseason game on Saturday changed things, um, which you know they could have. Uh, but I, I look at it and it's at three, four, I see six. I see obviously CD Lamb. I see. Um, it's funny how sometimes you draw one before even though you know everything. Um, <laughs> this is embarrassing. You guys managed this shit out. Um, <laughs> Brandon Cooks, Michael Thank Gallup. You. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. All right. Let me, let me answer your question. Uh, <laughs> the Cowboys, uh, we're going to keep six. Six will be CeeDee Lamb, it'll be Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert, Devontae Turpin, and then the seventh round pick, Jalen Brooks. Now, keeping in mind that the Cowboys haven't cut a rookie draft pick, you know, in terms of four of the 53 minute roster, with, you know, making the 53 minute roster. A rookie draft pick, every single rookie draft pick has made the 53-man roster uh, since 2020, since Mike McCarthy's been the head coach. So uh, that is what I would expect. Uh, now, Jalen Brooks hasn't necessarily had a 
the type of preseason I think that you'd like to see. Uh, I think at times Dennis Houston has been stronger. Uh, you know, Simi Poco's done some things, but I, I do believe Brooks done enough to have earned that sixth spot. And and you touched on the fact that maybe what happened in the third preseason game may be enough, maybe it's not. And when you say that, the first name that I came to mind was Hunter Lepke, right? We hadn't seen what he had done in the third preseason game pretty much at all in any preseason action leading up to that. Do you see a guy like Hunter Lepke winning himself a role on the 53, or is it a little too late at that spot for him? So I haven't asked about him um, if Saturday night changed anything, but or right back so late in the game against the level of talent that he faced, I, I, don't, I don't see him on the 53. Um, I think it's all about projecting, all right, are we comfortable with, you know, we want the best players in our building. And the puzzle to it all is, all right, who, can, who are we confident if we waive, you know, clear waivers and we can keep them in our building to practice squad? And I, I don't think um, based on just the way this league has gone at running back. Um, I don't think the team is going to jump ahead on for him if they do decide to cut him. It could be wrong. Maybe they keep him. I could be wrong. Maybe they, they, they wave him and some of uh, another team club, uh, another club playing to me. You never really know how these teams go. But I, I would be surprised if the Cowboys keep more than three running backs. Oh, initially, so this- their initial 53. So zooming out a little bit to the game as a whole last night, obviously the big storyline, one of the big storylines was Dak Prescott calling plays, doing a phenomenal job. Is What are, what are the Cowboys going to learn from this? Is, is there anything you can take away from your starting quarterback putting up a masterclass offensive coordinator performance? You know, I don't think so. I mean, the, the, I don't think the play call was one in the game. I think it was more just about the execution. It was about real career playing really well. I thought the offensive line did a good job. Um, the receiver core, and they, they, they convert on some third third downs, and uh, you make your play caller look really smart when you're executing. Um, it wasn't like Dak Prescott, you know, had an offensive staff really game plan the heck out of this one, and you know, again, it wasn't like there was a lot of strategy uh, there. But it, nonetheless, I think it was a it was a good experience where you have Mike McCarthy standing on the sideline, you know, he's got the headset on and hold the play sheet, and then standing right beside him. Stack Prescott, play sheet hand, headset on, and able to kind of go through calls and, and kind of talk with each other and do all that. I, I think it's how could it not be beneficial? Um, so there, no doubt, was a positive um, aspect of having done that exercise. And it was, it was different. It was fun, I think, from, you know, us on the outside. It's, you know, just a, a little bit of wrinkle to, to, the, to the final exhibition. But I probably wouldn't be too carried away with, with you know, how masterful of a, of a game it was. Uh, because to me, that was more about what was going on on the field and less the direction from the sideline. So you had talked about and tweeted out that, you know, the Josh Ball situation, maybe looking at an extensive type of, you know, absence with his injury, maybe an IR situation, how they're going to work that out with the 53-man roster. And you also allude to the fact that, the Cowboys may not be tipping their hand. Like you said, they may not tell people till Tuesday or maybe late Monday when it comes to who's getting cut and how this situation works out. With all that being said, this this show is going to come out Monday morning. Um, do you have like a sense of what this offensive line is going to look like? I know we, we all know who the five are, but after that, I think it gets a lot more murky. You know, are we talking about a TJ Bass and Awesome Richards? Like, what is your sense on that offensive line when it comes to depth purposes? 
I think Oxford Richards is in, but I, you know, it's to me the murkiest of it all. I think it's a great way to describe it. That's probably where I, as we talk right now, where I have the most unanswered questions, where if I was about out my 53, and I hope to be done with that by around noon Monday. Um, if I, I, as we, as we talk now, I, I got work to do to figure out exactly. I think, I do think TJ Bats has played well. Um, you know, Brock Hoffman was the offensive captain of that final game. He gives you some better guard versatility. I feel pretty confident saying that Sarniak is out. Um, so that, that's, that's one piece of the 2021 draft class that, that won't be here on this roster. Um, but it's there's, there's a lot there. It's it's Matt Blesko, it's, it's now an Andrew Josh Ball, it's Chuma Doga. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys there. Uh, ultimately, I think the you know, if there's a guard center. Uh, you know, flex that guy, there's a real chance that person will be added um, following Tuesday's cut down or you know, maybe a trade beforehand. Uh, I just, um, I, I'm not sure that person is in the building uh, based on, you know, the, the, the way that Barnett didn't really take the next step that the Cowboys were really going for out of him in year three. So um, that's it. Uh, I think Josh Ball with the injury, my understanding, and I need to speak to another person on it but what i've initially been told just you know we're just talking here it sounds like he'll make the initial 53 then be placed on injury reserve and, and with the designation at some point to be active in practice and potentially return uh that's that could be a guy who's again part of the initial 53 and then um you, you, you put him in ir you know right away and that clears up uh, open a roster spot that you could use to bring somebody else their guy you just Cut on a temporary basis, or someone bringing in from outside the building. So that sounds like that, that could be happening. But again, uh, I'm just being very transparent. Like I usually, I like I haven't reported that on, on social media because it's you know I, I want to kind of hammer down a little bit more. Um, or it's just social media. Or also, you know, we also have a website. I hope you people visit at Dallas Morning News. Um, but you know, you you. You might kind of learn more before you put it out there, but just early sense that we're talking, that's, that's kind of what it sounds like in direction that they may go. So you mentioned the potential to add a new face to this offensive line. I know that after the second preseason game, Stephen Jones came out and said, along the lines of we're not done adding, Cowboys then obviously trade for Trey Lance on Friday and make big headlines. Do you get the sense that it, it's still not over? The Cowboys are still actively shopping, especially as it pertains to looking to beef up an offensive line which has looked shaky across the previous season absolutely yeah uh, okay. to your offensive line and i would even say you know maybe a running back uh i think they're they're open to adding adding there okay okay and yeah. also like you know, they also be bringing guys from outside of the building to, to help with the practice squad so you know, obviously you're not adding our safety to the 53 but maybe another to the practice squad who's not currently there um you know it also depends on our cut a guy you think you're going to get him back all of a sudden, you're not because another team's playing down. All right, so what's our list look like? We're going to bring in an outside organization. So there's a lot of that, a lot of preparation, a lot of meetings. Uh, it's an exhaustive process of going from 90 to 53. It is every year, but with it all being one big cut, it feels like that's even more so true. So you you yourself, and I want to ask you kind of your personal opinion on this. You've been around the league for a while. You covered the Cowboys for some years now. And you know, you look at a team, and most fans can look at the team with optimism every year. Um, the sentiment to me, at least what I hear within Cowboys Nation, is they feel really excited about 2023 and what it can be. Since your time here covering the Cowboys, where does this rank as far as 
roster wise? Is this like the best chance on paper that you think they've had since you've been here? Kind of what is your assessment from somebody who's in the building and and just like what do they feel and what should be the anticipation for this season? This is the fifth Cowboys season I've covered. Uh, this will be the 14th total in the NFL. Previously reported on the Chargers when they were in San Diego, the Raiders when they were in Oakland. 14 years, this is the best team I've covered. Wow. Uh, the the, the wow. defense is where it starts. Um, the pass rush, uh, I think, you know, the, the run defense is, is a one area that kind of unlocks everything because if you're having success in early downs, uh, you're, you're keeping – opponents honest you're forcing them into more passing situations there were times last year where it'd be like third and seven i think or third and whatever it was and i think it was the lions i think you know, they, they chose to run it on the cowboys rather than face michael parsons and marcus lawrence in that pass rush um so if if the run defense is improved it improved and i believe that gallimore's you know he's better so he's going to continue to be better hankins back for a full season and walker it's, it's what, 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 what what can Mizen give you and how soon can he can he, can he ride that um, you know, he showed some improvement uh, in this final preseason game, um, I thought, but there's also, you know, competition level, and, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a process for them. Um, but if, if that is a box that's checked and this run defense can improve to the point where the pass rush can go, then, again, everything falls into place, potentially. I mean, if it's, it's going to help, injuries can happen on paper, so when we're talking, it's, it's still obvious and it's a lot to go wrong. But I look at the NFC, I think maybe my optimism would be different if we're talking about an AFC team because of how loaded that conference is. But here in the NFC, when you have a defense like the Cowboys do, and there's still some extra questions, we'll see what the run game looks like and see how the kicker does and, and all those things. But I think they have as good of a chance as anyone to get out of the conference at the end of the year. And I'm not willing to usually talk like that, but that's that's – that's a training camp I saw in Oxford. Well, we love to hear that. And Michael, we really appreciate you joining us. So one last question for you before we get, now that the preseason's all wrapped up, give me Michael Gutkin's one winner and one loser. One big winner, one big loser from the preseason. One big winner, one big loser. Um, I don't want to say loser. That seems a little harsh. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just think, I think that's far. I really haven't an opportunity to, uh, be the guy in the interior offensive line. And, you know, I'm making sure you plateaued. It seemed like it took a step back. Uh, I, I don't know what, if it was just the changes in the scheme or, or just, I don't know what it was. I probably should have asked him the other night when I saw him in the locker room. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that that just, it just didn't go the way it needed to do for him this year. And then he positives, uh, the one positive, you know, Michael Parsons, like when someone makes a decision to be great, he has the ability to be truly great. It's it's pretty scary, and I think I think you know, I think at first, I think of Jalen Palmer, um, I think of Wanya Thomas. Uh, I mean, I just got the phone with his mother. We spoke for like ninety minutes. We full transparency. This this little interview we're having got held up because of. The duration of that phone call, and I appreciate you guys uh, both for having hung tight with me. Um, but I, I fully believe he's going to be making the 53 minute roster as a guy who was an undrafted rookie the previous year. And his story of what he's overcome uh, I mean, it's it's almost a cliche sometimes as a sports writer when you write this story of how a guy's overcome things, but man, that journey is there's nothing cliche about it. 
Um, so I look forward to people hearing more about it because I think it's here. Oh, this guy's been through an office the first time. Great. And then kind of forget about it. And so my job yeah, a lot of times is to, you know, show okay, Brandon Aubrey makes this roster a kicker. You didn't think of him as a cool kicker. You know, like, you write a story about him in case it all pans out. It looks like it might. Um, and people have an appreciation for it when it does and when it does. Um, I would I, 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 I hate as a writer if people know Wani Thomas's journey. And so I look forward to writing that. Uh, we're going to get off the phone. I'm going to go back and listen to the, the, the conversation with the mom and write it the next day. And I look forward to getting read it and be curious what you think. He's definitely a winner in all this. I love that. And he's one of those guys that we were talking before you jumped on with us. And we, we both kind of had him in our 53 too. Like he's earned it. We saw him in the middle of the huddle preseason, you know, game three, it just, it kind of spoke volume. So to hear that his story and you're going to be able to tell it and you're going to do it an awesome job on it. So I'm excited. I can't wait to read it. And, and for anybody, the listeners, we, they're smarter for listening than Michael. We really appreciate you joining us today and um, you know, the best in the business. So um, again, thank you for joining us and uh, I'm sure we'll touch again or touch base again this season. Hope so my pleasure. Thank you for having me. No problem, Michael. Thank you. All right, that was Michael Gelkin of the Dallas Morning News joined us and um, man, that was awesome here. Aiden, I, I love when we get, you know, guests on the show, guys like himself who, you know, are, boots on the ground or in there give us a lot of good information. So I'll ask you real point blank period. What was the the number one thing you took away from our conversation with Michael Gilkin? I'm really pumped to hear that the Cowboys are still shopping. Like Michael Gilkin seemed incredibly confident that the Cowboys are a still shopping and B specifically shopping on the offensive line, which is huge to me. And so, I mean, we've been talking about it like, yeah, Chuma Dogo is cool, but we've been talking, we were since day one, we were looking to beef up this offensive line a little. And do I think it's like going to be a signing that like makes national headlines? Probably not. But any help you can get after what we saw this preseason, like that to me, it would be huge. Yeah. I, I, you know, he kind of said it at the end in passing and it kind of gave me a little pause and I should have as a journalistic person kind of prodded more, but it was our last question with him. Um, he mentioned, you know, even in the running back room, they're looking to make some possible yeah. improvements. And I'm like, as a Rico Dollar truth there, I mean, I don't know. So, <laughs> you don't no, want to hear that. Nah, but like, you know, I'm I'm team above take. So, you know, if it's not Rico Dollar and it's someone better, you know, salute. Like, let's make a yeah. move. But I, I was, was intrigued to hear that. But I would say my biggest takeaway, and I told you right when you said it, I'm going to write about it. For him to be covering the league for 14 years, like he said, he was in San Diego. He was in Oakland. This is his fifth year with the Cowboys. They say this is the best team he's ever been around. I thought that was a a wow kind of pause moment for me. So um, this is a guy who's well-versed. He's covered the league. He's been in the NFL a while. That was an impressive statement. And that's three different writers now that we've had. We had Cal humans, Nick Harris, and now Michael Gilkin. All yeah. three of them were incredibly confident in this team and saying, yeah, like almost gives fans, me, there's reason. To, yeah. Gives me butterflies they, a little these, bit, man. <laughs> Cause yeah, I mean, if you, if you follow, Guys like Kyle Yeomans, guys like Michael Gokin, they are not going to be like, they're not going to be the, they're not going to sugarcoat anything. If the Cowboys suck, they're going to tell you. Yeah. If the Cowboys are mediocre, they're going to tell you. The fact that they're telling you that they're confident in this team, you should be confident as well. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, and I'm not just saying this because he was on our show. Michael Gelkin is the type of dude who is a measure twice, cut once guy. So what he yeah. is saying, he is, 
he's calculated what he's saying. He's got reason for it. He he stands on his laurels because he or he like stands on his word, his convictions, because he he knows he's tapped in. For him to talk so glowingly about this team and some of the moves they've made and Micah, Parton, Micah Parsons, he was talking about how like he chooses to be great and moves with greatness. Like that is, I mean, for guys like that to see it, who are in it every day, um, it's impressive. This is a gonna this is gonna be a good Cowboys year. And um we feel like that every year, but I, I swear to you, and I'm not trying to get ahead of myself and get too fanboyish about this. Like, I think Aiden. It could come to a point in February, let's say the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. Well, we're going to be able to have a conversation together and be like, do you remember in August we had every beat writer under the sun on our show and every one of them told us this was a reality, this was a possibility. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, man, but I just, I'm very retrospective. I'm a guy who likes to look back and kind of look at the journey. There's a real possibility if this goes the way we hope it can, we're going to have that reflective conversation. I mean, yeah, we'll we'll find out in two weeks. But like I said, I said it after last year's playoff loss when everything seemed doom and gloom. You just have to make it to the playoffs, and after that, anything can happen. All anything, the, if the Cowboys if the Cowboys walk in as a ten win team, if they walk in as a fourteen win team, everybody has the same opportunity. Unless you want to be technical about the first round by, but <laughs> the Cowboys like all they have to do is make it, and at that point, it's I want to say. 30% luck when the, yeah. the ball just needs to bounce the Cowboys away. They've fielded a talented roster. I mean, I, I don't, I, I never like hearing like, Oh, the Cowboys aren't going to make it to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. Any team could like theoretically, yeah. I, I put there's 50% of teams that I could realistically see them make it to the Super Bowl. And the Cowboys are absolutely in that 50. They're, they have one of the most talented rosters in the league right now. And everybody who's been there, who's been in Oxnard covers the team daily would confirm this has it's that type of team with that type of potential. So if you're a Cowboys fan, if you're a listener of our show, you know, you've heard it like this team is going to be a good football team. Things got to stay right. Things got to go right. You know, the ball's got to bounce, but there is every reason in the world for Cowboys nation to be excited for this year. And we don't have to put the cart before the horse and we don't have to puff our chest out because nothing's won in August, but there is real, concrete reason to be optimistic and it's it's a great time to be a part of the fan base so uh, another great episode of the first and 10 podcast i hope you guys enjoyed it because we enjoyed sending it to you blogging the boys you know sb nation from tony catalina and aiden davis we'll catch you guys next week which will be a preview show for week one preseason's over the regular season's upon us and um, we're only getting started in 2023 so go cowboys and we'll catch you next week peace